Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. I'm Tony. And we're uh, doing another one-shot. So today we're doing uh, Defending Inerrancy by Norman Geisler and William Roach. And, uh, of course, uh, Norman Geisler isn't with us anymore, but um, he's uh, well-known um, in, the, in the Christian community for uh Good theology for the most part, yeah. uh, and as always, we always disagree with everybody for yeah. <laughs> for small things and big things. But um, uh, and for apologetics and, and for, philosophy, yes. and he's I mean he's he's a he was a prolific writer. Yeah, I mean yeah. He, he's he's written some. You can't you can't knock him at all for for his contributions to uh, apologetics or. Yeah. Uh, I, I would suggest he was a giant in this particular area. Yeah, apologetics and and uh, Christian philosophy and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's done a good job. Uh, so Defending Inerrancy. So this is technically his second book on the subject. Um, uh, I never did read. I do have his first book. It's, I think it's just called Inerrancy. Right. Um, and then he wrote uh, this one um, to kind of uh, uh, critique a little bit more of, of uh, different uh, writers writing against inerrancy. But, yeah, so he's, the, the book says that the doctrine of inerrancy has been a standard accepted teaching for more than a thousand years. And then in 1978, the famous Chicago Statement on Inerrancy was adopted by the Evangelical Theological Society. And for decades, it has been the accepted conservative evangelical doctrine of the scriptures. So Geisler and Roach, uh, Geisler actually was one of the original drafters of the Chicago Statement. And his co-author Roach uh, presents uh, this defense of the traditional understanding of inerrancy. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're trying to accomplish here in defending inerrancy. Yeah. So uh, other people on here were people like Sproul. And uh, both MacArthur's senior mm-hmm. and and junior, yeah. um, and uh, Geisler uh, had, had a had a big hand in, in this as well. So um, it it's really it was really neat to see the list of names and 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 seeing how um, well that that list has 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 continued on and those those men have continued on. Yeah, in fact, uh, they he gives in the book they give uh, the whole. Uh, Statement. Yeah, the whole statement in the back of the book is is written out. The signers, yeah, are in the back of the book. The whole statement is, I think, in chapter two, I believe, of uh, of this book. So you get the whole Chicago statement in this book, as well as a list of all of the signers Mm -hmm. of uh, the Chicago statement. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this book is kind of broken down into three parts. First of all, is the background, the formation, and influence for the statement, uh, uh, and kind of what what kicked it off. And so, um, it's, it's kind of, uh, interesting to, to, it was before my time, um, <laughs> to, to see that, uh, this, um, this, f- uh, fuller theological seminary started becoming more liberal. There, uh, was a, a, a faculty that allowed someone to stay who had, uh, seemingly heretical views, especially when it, uh, uh approached things like inerrancy or just truth of scripture. And so um, they went one way, and the Chicago Statement was this kind of uh, response to Fuller kind of being what we kind of now take for granted of of what what seminary isn't <laughs> isn't you know uh, 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 theologically liberal, and um, and so they're writing in um, 
in contrast to that. Uh, and then uh, the second part, which is kind of the almost the main part of the book, is uh, challenges to inerrancy. So he responds to uh, 10 different theologians, um, a couple of them he's grouped together, and then uh, also examination of inerrancy itself. Uh, what are the claims of inerrancy? What, what, what are we saying when we say certain things? How, how, did, how did the Chicago Statement kind of come about? What, what from Scripture, what um, from the early church, what, what, what do we mean when we talk about inerrancy? Um, it's a result of the nature of God, truth, language, hermeneutics, and also the incarnation, which is very important. So the, uh, the first part of the book with regard to the history of inerrancy, as we mentioned, it has the uh, Chicago Statement in it. And it has this interesting um, um, uh, discussion with regard to not only Fuller's Seminary, but also what was happening in the Southern Baptist uh, mm-hmm. Convention. And they suggest that the, the stance on Scripture is one of the things that will either uh, allow a school to be maintain um, orthodoxy, we might say, or move to liberalism. And so uh, th- they argue that uh, Fuller's stance on Scripture um, with regard to inerrancy uh, cause the seminary to move toward liberalism, right? right? Whereas in the Southern Baptist Convention, it their, their schools and the convention was moving toward liberalism, but there was um, 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 a, uh, a move away, and they, and they suggested that this was amazing. And in fact, <laughs> one of the... Uh, one of the first times in the history of Christianity where a particular de- denomination had started down the yeah. liberal path and then made a correction right. and turned around. Yeah. Right? They did that by filling their seminaries with people who defended inerrancy mm-hmm. and who were Orthodox um, believers in terms of what the scriptures had to say. And of course, once the seminaries have that, they teach the men that, the pastors, the teachers, and that sort of thing, and it trickles down to the church. And so the Southern Baptists actually made this amazing turn away from liberalism and back to orthodoxy. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's it's kind of what B.B. Uh, Warfield and and the the fundamentalists did in in the early 20s when every uh, school of thought was uh, liberal, and then you know you you had uh, had um, kind of the the formation of of the fundamentals and and, and that but the, the, yeah that was it must have been interesting to see that happen kind of for the first time yeah yeah the uh, second part of the book the second section of the book presents as you mentioned 10 theologians who the author state have threatened inerrancy, right? They include folks like Clark Pinnock, who, according to them, believe that only those portions of the Bible that are redemptive and intent are inerrant. So only the things that are intended for redemption, that are, have to deal with right. redemption, those are the portions that are inerrant. Right. The rest of it, uh, the suggestion here is that it may or may not be. Right. right? So, so what saves man is important for men, and so only... What men know in order to save men should we trust? Yeah. Okay, that seems really self-serving there. Yeah. Also, they they mention Bart Ehrman, of our good friend that we have yeah. we've talked about before, <laughs> who asserts among other things that the canon of Scripture is only one of many competing Christianities. This is the diversity thesis yeah. that we talked Bauer. about before. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that the biases of the authors uh, undermine inspiration, and that the transmission of the scriptures. Uh, was unreliable because many of the scribes were incapable, you know, of writing and doing a good job. These were, you know, 
ignorant men yeah. that, that were transmitting the scriptures. And so uh, he suggested that, uh, you know, how can we have an inerrant scripture if these things were going on? Right? Right. And there are several others, right? You, you have a list there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Peter ends, uh, which kind of um, follows in Pinnock's way. He has this kind of incarnation model, which says that only what's important to salvation is true. Everything else isn't there. And we've, we've also read other books where Peter ends has, has essentially stated this, uh, not believing pretty much anything in the Old Testament as far as um, as being historical fact. Except well, yeah, like we, the G- book of Genesis is myth. Yeah, yeah. or the Jericho never fell because uh, the current theory says, uh, you know, uh, no pot, pottery shards were found at this certain spot that they should have. And um, yeah, there, there, there are um, other claims that that um, that can be made there. But uh, yeah, Enns is definitely a character that we we would want to include in a book about inerrancy because of how um, well known he is uh, in in these circles. Uh, Kenton Sparks has a view that uh, there's no such thing as supernatural, and he has kind of the traditional postmodern uh, viewpoint of you know uh, what's what's true for me isn't always true for you. Um, you know, uh, can't we all just get along, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, they suggest that uh, Sparks here has stated that the inerrantists are naive fundamentalists equivalent to believing in a flat earth and are not real academics. That's so hurtful. That? That's yeah. hurtful. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, let, let's see. Uh, Kevin Van Hooser has an interesting take on uh, kind of the speech act view <laughs> and uh, tr- issues with truth claims and is, is kind of is more of a, a philosophical uh, critique against inerrancy than than one that's uh, scriptural or historical. That, yeah. that one. And, and as as they go, th- as he goes through and responds to each of these, um, it's interesting because he tends to start with someone he. Uh, can write about the most. Uh, so like Pinnock, I think, has the most amount of space attributed to him. But he also does say, here's a positive contribution that they've made, and here's the negative, and here's my response to their their kind of overall critique. It, mm-hmm. It's 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 really well laid out. And again, fair, which, um, you know, uh, as we covered last time with, with Kruger and Kostenberger, uh, if, and, and uh, when we've interviewed um, uh, Scott Christensen about um, you know, uh, responding to uh, libertarian free will. If if you present the other side in the most fair way possible, you're responding to the best arguments. And so, if you present it with with that in mind, um, you know, the, the only thing that they can critique you on then is your view. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what. So, and we might want to mention since Geisler and uh, especially Geisler and but Roach as well. Geisler is a philosopher. Right. So yeah. We have. Yeah. So this is a uh, this book has a lot of philosophical arguments and that sort of thing that are part of this. Uh, yeah, this it's not just scripture says this and therefore this, which is important. And he, he definitely covers that. But yeah, uh, there there are um, logical critiques w- within this that that he wants to say you're not following where you should be going. Uh, there, there are some a few presuppositional claims within it as well uh, that we always like seeing as well. Uh, then uh, also uh, Andrew McGowan has uh, issues with both words and meanings of words, kind of uh, assuming uh, you can't assume that what the writers meant is what you take them to mean. And, um, you know, it, it essentially throws into question even Andrew McGowan's words. How, how do we know what he means when he uses, you know, the, the quick 
uh, brown fox jumps over the you know brown dog or yellow dog or whatever the the saying is. Um, and then Stanley Grentz and Brian McLaren hold to a relativism postmodern view, and Daryl Brock and Robert Webb have this uh, open-ended look at the issue. That the, they kind of say, oh, inerrancy could be a thing, but we're not really sure, and so uh, we're open to the possibility. And I think that's a really interesting uh, group of people that that he brings in because it it kind of has the more uh, hardcore. Uh, it can't be inerrant to people who are more open. And what does that mean? And I I, I like bringing that point of view into of just saying, well, can I be undecided? Can't mm. can't can I sit in the on the fence until you know something persuades me either way or maybe not at all. Maybe it's not that important. And Geisler says, no, this is very important. This is foundational to where we're at in in Christianity uh, today uh, as far as from the writing of Chicago Statement and probably even earlier uh, and almost foundational to uh, exactly where we're at today in 2019. It's still a um, well-received um, uh, topic that should be discussed. Yeah. Um, we might want to at least read a, a section of the Chicago Statement so that folks get a feel for uh, what, uh, what it has to say. Uh, this is a portion of the short statement of the Chicago Statement. Right? <laughs> yeah. God, who is himself truth and speaks truth only, has inspired Holy Scripture in order thereby to reveal himself to lost mankind through Jesus Christ as creator and Lord, redeemer and judge. Holy Scripture is God's witness to himself. Number two, Holy Scripture being God's own word written by men prepared and superintended by his spirit is of infallible divine authority in all manners upon which it touches. It is to be believed as God's instruction in all that it affirms, obeyed as God's command in all that it requires, embraced as God's pledge in all that it promises. Three, the Holy Spirit uh, script. Scripture's divine author both authenticates it to us by his inward witness and opens our minds to understand its meaning. Uh, number four, being holy and verbally God-given scripture is without error or fault in all its teachings, no less in what it states about God's acts in creation, about the events of world history, about it, and about its own uh, literary origins under God than in its witness to God's saving grace in individual lives. And five, the authority of Scripture is uh, inescapably impaired if this total divine inerrancy is any way limited or disregarded or made relative to a view to truth contrary to the Bible's own. And such lapses being serious loss to both the individual and the church. So that's kind of a shorter statement of the Chicago right. statement. Yeah, that's kind of the summary. And and so th throughout when he's responding, um, and uh, both in the negative uh, section, the middle section there where he's responding to critics, and then the positive section, he, he brings in and points back to the Chicago statement. So um, it's, it's a nice even study if, if you're studying the Chicago statement of oh, where did they get that or where did they draw that from? And so it's both, again, um, uh, a, a scripturally derived statement, but also a, a philosophical um, uh, theology uh, derived statement as well, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, we, we uh, even presuppositional has come to expect because you want to be consistent because God is consistent. Uh, we know God's consistent because he's the author of truth. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so uh, 
when we err in our inconsistency, um, it, it's it's not uh, uh, God or the Bible. It's it's our conclusions. It's our um, upbringing. It's our interpretation. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, it, it's it's that that's what errs, and so we have to return to that. And so um, looking at inerrancy is definitely a worthwhile pursuit, and as far as having confidence within um, your apologetic method or just in your everyday walk. And so um, defending inerrancy by uh, Norman Geisler and William Roach is definitely uh, probably one of the better um, books that you can get on the subject that isn't a a primer, but isn't so kind of bogged down in, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, only philosophical language. So let's talk about just this final section before we end this. Uh, this section on the re-examination of inerrancy. Here they consider it in the light of the nature of God, the nature of truth, the nature of language, and the nature of hermeneutics, Mm -hmm. right? Hermeneutics is the interpretation uh, of Scripture and that sort of thing. The authors note that the nature of God is crucial to uh, the inerrancy debate. The challenge regarding inerrancy is a challenge to God's sovereignty, immutability, and omniscience. So, you know... uh, if we have a God who uh, is sovereign and immutable, unchangeable, and omniscient, all-knowing, then we would suggest right. that he is able to uh, to present the truth. Now, they use the correspondence view of truth, mm-hmm. the idea that truth is what corresponds to reality, mm-hmm. right? And so they maintain that the Bible is completely true in all that it affirms and denies, right? So that's that's the idea with regard right. to truth. In their discussion of language and inerrancy, uh, Geisler and Roach investigates the concern about the adequacy of human language to convey an objectively true revelation from God. Can our language, does our language allow us to, um, you know, to convey what God wants us to do? And they talk about uh, here that they affirm that God who made mankind in his image has used language as a means of revelation. So they deny that human language is so limited by our creatureliness that it uh, renders inadequate, uh, it's an inadequate vehicle for uh, divine revelation. So they don't think that language is a barrier with regard to God communicating to us. Right, Right. yeah. The proper hermeneutic approach, uh, they suggest, is the one that's outlined in the Chicago Statement is the grammatical historical approach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, again, we could take... Uh, episodes and discuss each of these because e- each of them are are good discussion points and and it's what should be discussed when you're talking about inerrancy, um, including you know can God even communicate to us? Is God so large that He Himself cannot uh, you know uh, lift the rock that is human language that He you know helped to create with mm. all mankind? But um, yeah, that's the response. And so the the way that it's, it's laid out, it, it's a little odd because you you kind of um, okay, you understand the background first, uh, but in, in the way the, the book's presented, you would almost think that the third part is where he, he should they should start. And so, as you're reading it, uh, you read the crit- critiques of, of the critics first, and then you get into kind of the positive um, aspects of inerrancy. And so, within it, you kind of get a lot of repetition that you've mm-hmm. already read, and it can kind of get a little duller there and especially in the third part uh but it does cover some some really um 
key points that 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 need to be covered. Uh, and again, especially within uh, your apologetic method, um, there are claims that people make, such as you know, um, okay, let, let's assume that uh, you know there is a God. He's so huge that he himself cannot uh, even possibly talk to us. It's like us talking to ants. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. But if we created the ants, if we programmed the ants, if we wanted uh, to, to be able to communicate with our, our, our creation, creation yeah. don't you think we'd be able to? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those responses. And so do we find scriptural support? Very key. And then do we find the philosophical uh, logic uh, uh, portion of it, and, uh, which is also key? Yeah. And again, since uh, Geisler is a philosopher, there are a lot of good arguments. Very good. That, uh, yeah. That he uh, rehearses for us to help make his points. So yeah. This is uh, this is a, a decent book with regard to inerrancy, and as uh, Patrick mentioned, it is somewhat redundant because of how it's laid out. Yeah. Right, the editors might have you know helped with that a little yeah. bit, but uh, but it, overall, it, he they do a, a decent job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, good history, uh, good uh, good argumentation against what you want it to argue about and also uh, a good presentation of the positive aspects of inerrancy. So there we go. We've done two books in Mm -hmm. two weeks. So (laughs) we're just chugging along instead of two, two a year, but uh, uh, come back next time and we'll do a third book and kind of a half a book within that. And, uh, and then uh, we'll uh, figure out what we want to do next for our next book. Thanks for joining. Yep. See you next time.